0: A woman walking her dog by an extremely isolated lake near the con mine in Yellowknife Northwest Territories stumbles across what appears to be a human bone fragment. She turns it over to police who have their suspicions of who it belongs to, and that person went missing 13 years prior. This is Cold Canada Episode 4, Lost in Yellowknife. Born in 1965, Mary Rose Gijak was raised in the tiny village of Kugluktuk, Nunavut. This small town is located in Northern Canada, bordering the Northwest Territories and on the shore of the Arctic Ocean with a population of only about 1,200 people. This town can only be described as a starkly isolated hamlet perched precariously on the beautiful yet desolate shore of the Coronation Gulf and the Arctic Ocean. It is not accessible by road, If you want to get there from anywhere in Canada, a flight is required. To give you a sense of the sheer remoteness of these tiny villages in Canada's north, consider the following. A one-way trip by air to Kugluktuk from Toronto, which is in central Canada, would consume a 21 hour travel day with five individual flights and nearly 10 hours of flying time. Similar flying time would take a traveler from Toronto to Cairo nonstop. A similar travel day would easily take him or her from toronto to the far east there's only one airline that lands there five to six times per week so there wasn't many opportunities in the community for a woman at the time and mary rose had bigger dreams than her small town could fulfill in 1990 at the time of her disappearance she had a four-year-old son nathan and was pregnant with her second child It was never disclosed in the media how far along in her pregnancy she was, but it was speculated she was six to nine months along. Being a First Nations woman, she was trying to get an education for herself to support her growing family. She relocated over 1,600 kilometers away from her hometown to the capital city of the Northwest Territories, Yellowknife, to attend her second year of her education in social work at Aurora College. The college offered a broad range of courses, including certificate, diploma and degree programs. Their aim was to educate the people of the North and offer their programs close to communities. They had three regional campuses to serve its 41,000 students. This school's core bulk of students were Aboriginal, and they were known for hosting students from small, remote communities. It was a perfect fit for Mary. Yellowknife's population at the time was over 15 times that of her small town. She left Nathan in the safe hands of her parents and none of it so she could focus on school. In June of that year, Mary Rose was staying at the Golden Range Hotel, which is still open today, while going to school. This hotel and bar was a popular one, boasting as the third highest grossing bar in Canada in 1989. The bar was infamous, but not necessarily in good fashion. It was commonly known as the Strange Range, having housed a rough and tumble bar, a strip joint, boarding house, and cafe complex since it was completed in 1957. This was the last place she was ever seen. Mary Rose was last spotted at the hotel where she was living on June 28, 1990. She wasn't reported missing until nearly three months later, in September of the same year. During the extensive research I did, I couldn't find why it took so long for her to be reported missing who who actually did report her missing. One assumption that could be made is she had paid rent up to that point and when staff went looking for her and their money, she wasn't able to be located. Another assumption that could be made is she was supposed to show up for school and when she wasn't in attendance, someone was notified. You would think her parents would have been in closer contact with her considering they had her child and she was pregnant. Three months seems like a long time to go without communication with your daughter. It was stated Mary left behind her personal belongings, including her glasses, which she needed to see. According to a news article, Nathan said she couldn't see four feet in front of her without those glasses. It was reported from other family members that she needed those glasses that she could not see without them. Police deemed the disappearance suspicious due to the things left behind, but as she wasn't reported missing until months after she was last seen, the window of opportunity to find her was severely limited. It was also unknown how long exactly she had been gone for. She was last spotted at the end of June, but that's not necessarily the date she went missing. The police interviewed family and friends, but no one had any information on what happened to her or where she could be. She was described as a petite woman, standing at only five foot two, 130 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. She was also missing six teeth, but it was not specified which ones were absent. There was no description given on what she was wearing the last time she was seen. And I also wanna highlight the point of her stature. It'll be pertinent later in the story. No clues were collected and the case went cold. From reading up on this case, like many others, it doesn't look like much was done to find this woman. Better missing person case practices are in place now, but it looks like if you went missing in the 80s or 90s, it was highly unlikely police were ever going to find you. This case was also hindered due to the time frame of when she was last seen and when she was actually reported missing. This put the police at a large disadvantage to try and collect any evidence that may have been left behind. There was no reported evidence in her hotel room other than the things that were abandoned. Leaving her much needed glasses behind would suggest that she was ambushed and taken directly from this hotel room. If that was the case, it was possibly by someone she knew or someone who, that had been watching her. To simply leave on her own accord without taking anything and being pregnant is highly unlikely. In my opinion, the search should have been more extensive considering she was a young woman toting a baby. It wasn't just one life at stake, but two. Fast forward 13 years later to 2003. A woman was walking her dog near the Con Mines area of Yellowknife, which is only about two kilometers away from the Gold Range Hotel where Mary Rose was staying when she came across what looked like to be a piece of a bone. She collected the suspected bone and turned it over to police immediately. Police sent the specimen to an anthropologist in Alberta to be tested. It was determined there that the bone was from a woman over 20 years old and someone of smaller stature. As I said earlier, Mary was 24 years old at the time of her disappearance and only five foot two. No DNA was able to be extracted from the sample. Police searched the area where the bone was found for more evidence. They uncovered over 300 bone fragments, but none of them were verified as being human. Over the next several years, and as technology progressed, the bone fragment was sent by RCMP and Yellowknife to be tested for DNA a couple more times. Unfortunately, nothing was able to be extracted despite the technological advances in the area. In 2017, police decided to give it one more shot and sent it to be tested at the International Commission on Missing Persons in Bosnia. This commission was founded in 1996 to help find around 40,000 people who went missing during the four-year conflict in former Yugoslavia. The commission has managed to solve 70% of those missing cases through their very specialized system. They have only taken on a few Canadian cases since its establishment. To everyone's amazement, the commission accepted the case They used their dedicated advanced technology. With this equipment, they were able to get partial DNA from the fragment, which is more than what was anticipated. Since this was only a partial profile, RCMP went to work on collecting samples from female family members of missing women in the Northwest Territories that were over the age of 20 in hopes of finding a familial match. Finally, in early February of 2018, after 28 years with no clues or evidence, a familial match with the family of Mary Rose materialized. It was confirmed that the bone fragment found near the con mine was in fact the partial remains of Mary Rose. After this was verified with the medical examiner in Yellowknife, her family was informed. Her son, Nathan, who is now 32 years old, told a local paper called The Yellowknifer, he's quote, glad it's over," unquote, but that he has a strong gut feeling that foul play was involved and committed by someone close to his mother. The case still remains active and open after it went cold for so many years. The rest of Mary Rose's remains have never been located. The DNA match gave some closure to her family, at least now they know that she had died, but they may never know what actually happened to her. After 28 years, that tiny piece of bone the woman stumbled upon is the only piece of Mary Rose the family has left. Mary Rose was one of four indigenous women to go missing in the Yellowknife area between 1988 and 1991. One of those women's bodies was discovered floating near a dock by the con mines. All four cases still remain unsolved. To this day, missing and murdered Indigenous women is a national crisis for Canada. According to Stats Canada, between 1980 and 2012, Indigenous women and girls represented 16% of all homicides in the country, while only embodying 4% of the total population. In a 2014 report, it was stated that between those years, 1,181 Indigenous women were killed or went missing. Out of those cases, 225 remain unsolved. In 2016, Canada's Minister for the Status of Women, Patty Haidu, told CBC the numbers RCMP reported are highly understated. She estimates the number to being three to four times the approximately 1,200 RCMP-reported cases, but lack of data makes it difficult to put an exact number on it. She referenced the research report done by the Native Women's Association of Canada, or NWAC, which does put that number closer to 4,000. This is a staggering number. Mary's case is only one of those that remains unsolved with not much hope of ever being closed for good. If you have any information related to this case, please contact RCMP or Crime Stoppers. As always, that contact info will be in the episode notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go rate and review on iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, go follow me at Cold Canada Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Episodes are now being streamed on YouTube. Just search Cold Canada Podcast or go through the link in the notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. That's P A T R E O N.com slash cold Canada podcast. My name is Heather Curran, and this has been Cold Canada.